We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Game show, the exclusive home. I don't know. <laughs> Andy, the Warriors eight one, best record in the league. Nice little W against the Rockets tonight. How you feeling? It doesn't get any better than this. The Warriors have the best record in the league, and they're playing like the best team in the league. Like it's not even close. The third quarter tonight reminded me of 2015, Sam. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. It's exactly like 2015. I don't know how if they're going to end up being the same team, but damn. That's what it looks like. Did you throw in some of your 2015 favorite music? Did we get some uh, Tiesto, <laughs> some some Cascade in there? <laughs> some Cascade, Cascade would be there. Like, uh, by the way, he's shout out to Cascade. He's coming to play at Bill Graham for New Year's Eve. I think he's done that like eight years in a row. So, shouts to Cascade. Uh, I just, <laughs> I just, uh, it's the passing to me. So it's that's what the crazy part is. I just had flashbacks. It's not like it's the same guys making those passes. Iguodala didn't play today. Livingston's retired. And Steph and Draymond are still there. Clay's hurt. Like, it's not like it's the same fucking guys. And they're making the same type of passes. It's, I don't know, man. I, I'm sitting here all hungover as hell. And I just, I can't stop being, I can't stop gushing over this team. It, it looks, I mean, the first thing we should say, and we've probably said this on previous shows, and I'm going to continue to say it as long as it's true. They look like the Warriors. They look like the team who became a juggernaut, who Kevin Durant was drawn to, who then became evil and God knows you know what other narratives <laughs> people want to bring out there. They look like the Warriors that we know, the 2014-15, 15-16, those Warriors. That's the first thing I noticed with them. And it's, I think it's most evident in two people, and that's Steve Kerr and Draymond Green. Yep. Steph, Kerr, Steph Curry is the... It's pros pro. He's going to play at that level no matter what. But I feel like the last few years, Draymond and Steve often looked like they were unhappy, uninterested, you know, insert whatever you want. And just this whole season, I mean, Steve Kerr is smiling. He's fist pumping. He's got like an energy level I haven't seen in a couple of years. And Draymond goes without saying, looks like the guy who was like the force of nature. Like, is he a top 10 player? Because he's that good, even though he doesn't score the ball that much. Like, 
it's just hard. Such a great point. I mean, I I agree, and now it reminds me of that press conference that Draymond had. Last couple of years, the pressers that Draymond had, pretty short, pretty standard, just not Draymond, right? Like, if Draymond is Draymond, he's just up there and he's just talking. I don't know what he's talking about. It, it could be good, it could be bad, I'm not sure, but he's just out there, he's just talking. And it's usually, f- like, really cool, really interesting stuff. He's back to doing that. That means he's filling himself, right? And then you've got Steve Crow with probably the best meme so far that we've gotten this season of him fist pumping. And uh, you're right. I mean, those guys are kind of uh, – those guys, for, for you know, being professionals, those guys could be people that get kind of moody, and that's not who Steph is, right? And, and now they're back. It feels like those guys are back. Jeremiah hit a pull-up mid-range jumper today. Wide open. And he shot it. And he made yes. it. And I'm sitting here like, whoa, whoa. As far as I'm concerned, that's a 10-point shot. So, yeah, no, I mean, that, that's – you are right. Like, Draymond is – Draymond is playing basketball instead of overthinking the game for once. And I think he's shooting 60% on two-point shots now. Uh, if it's not 60, it's like 59 point something. So, the the point stands. I mean, he's playing with confidence. We, we all know he's not a scorer, but he's taking shots as they come to him. Eight rebounds, nine assists again tonight in – 22 minutes. So, I mean, it's just, they're, they're looking as warriorsy as ever. Um, I want to talk about two specific players tonight and kind of what they mean to this team. Uh, And then maybe we open it to questions. Maybe it's a shorter episode tonight because we got the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow. And I think that's going to be a more fun test. So, um, you know, it'll be a short episode tonight. Otto Porter and Nemanja Bielitsa. Both veteran minimum signings, neither were, you know, flashy signings. Tonight, Otto, 15 points, five for nine, five for six from three. Bielitsa, three for four, nine points. Uh, neither of them played 20 minutes. Otto had Otto had nine rebounds Good. in 18 minutes. I mean, he's been all over the place. Had some steals, had a block. Uh, just felt like he was really impacting the game when he was in there. Bielitsa, um had a couple really nice assists to, and I want to say at least one was to GP2. What are you seeing from those two players? I call them the Vetman Splash Brothers. I just, they are, uh, they don't miss from three uh, when they're open. And they also play basketball. The, we talked about this just at the jump. They play basketball the exact way the Warriors did. Now, they're not the same type of player that Livingston is. They're not that type of guy, right? They're not most Spades. They're, they're not those type of guys. They're not Leandro Barbosa, but they play exactly how a team that Steve Crow wants. They always make the right move. They always cut. They always seem to be in the right place defensively, even if they're not athletic, athletic enough to be in super impactful players. They're at least right. in the right position. It's kind of like Damian Lee, right? Like he's not super athletic. He's not really blocks or, or a lot of steals, but he's always making the right play and he's at the right spot. Contrast that with, you know, last season, I'm to pick on, not to pick on him, but Kelly Oubre, who's super athletic, but almost never is in the right spot and never makes the right play. Now you've got the opposite and those guys are just. Yeah. And I think this is something that I thought the Warriors were desperate for last year, which was front court shooting. I don't think they actually had a major issue with perimeter shooting. Obviously Steph Curry, Steph Curry and Jordan Poole's a shooter. Damian Lee's obviously a shooter. Wiggins can hit open shots. They have guys who could shoot along the perimeter but what they weren't getting was someone at that four or five position to stretch the floor and really open up the lane. And so they get Otto Porter, who at this stage of his career is a four or five, as far as I'm concerned. Bielitsa, who's definitely a four or five. 
and just their ability to be guarded 25 feet out makes it easier for GP2 to play. I don't know if GP2 could play on last year's team. I don't don't know if you could play GP2 with Draymond. Or not this effective, not this effective at the very least. Yeah, I'm just saying if they have a lineup of Looney, Draymond, and and Oubre at the small forward position – (laughs) <laughs> those aren't bad players, but none of those are shooting threats. None of those are guys who make defenders step out. So all of a sudden, all that cool, like um, GP2 ghost cutting along the baseline or GP2 slashing and kind of, you know, almost being like a de facto center rim running and dunking it. None of that stuff exists if you have two to three big men inside. And that, in my opinion, it's like, it's, almost easier to find a guard who can do some of the things that GP2 can do than it is to find the big men who can legitimately space the floor like Otto Porter and Bielitsa. And then when you have both of them working together, that's where you get some of the stuff we've seen the last few games where GP2, I mean, he looks, we knew he could defend, but don't you feel like you watch him? You're like, how is this guy not on an NBA team already? I was, I mean, I, I'm not, I didn't know if Gary Payton was going to be a player or not. I could, the fact that I didn't know, that's why I was in on Avery Bradley, just because I was like, well, I don't know what Gary Payton is going to be. So just give me the guy that I think is probably going to be okay. Like Avery Bradley turns out Gary Payton is incredible. Right. And it, the thing is, it's not like he's playing this well because he's making threes, which is what we all thought he needed to do to stay on the court. You're a hundred percent correct. He's staying on the court right now because one, he's awesome and he's a great defender and he's a great cutter and he's a great finisher. But he's also staying on the court because they can play shooters around him so that it makes life easier for him. That's part of just great roster construction, which is what Bob Myers has done this offseason and Joe Lacob has done that's worked out so well, right? Like they they, they basically said, we're not, we're just going to get guys that we think is going to fit Stefan Draymond instead of getting guys that they're not sure but are kind of talented, right? I, I guess most teams would probably pick Kelly Oubre instead of Otto Porter. But on this team, it's not even close. Now, you, you, you mentioned another thing. You mentioned front court shooting. And, and I want to I point this out because everybody's talking about it is the Kevon Looney situation. Um, I, I, I don't know how long it can last. It's, it's, a, it's a situation I, it's now? Just, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm <laughs> overblown. But I know everyone's all happy and stuff. But uh, the beginning of the games are getting pretty uh, tough to watch. And like you said, it... <sighs> Looney and Draymond could work, but they only have Stefan Poole spacing the floor. Andrew Wiggins is fine, but he's not really spacing the floor. It's just life is getting a little tough in those beginning games. And I think maybe you want to think about starting Bielitsa. I, I, I don't know. The game, the team's ain't one, but I'm just saying like that's kind of a problem. I don't know if it's going away. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's pretty clear Steve Kerr's not going to make some sort of big changes. They're just rolling and winning games. Um, it's pretty clear that the Looney Draymond combo is like, it's just, it's just not for every matchup. There are certain matchups where it's useful, uh, particularly when you're playing against a bigger team and you want, I mean, Looney's still their best defensive big, um, well, outside of Draymond, I guess. Uh, but like he's, he's a better defender than Otto and, and Bielitsa. There, there's no way around that. Um, and so there is always value for a player like that in the roster. Like the, where I draw the line is, I've seen some people being like, oh, they got to get rid of Looney. You can't do this. Like, no, there's a spot for him on the roster. I'm just not sure, sure it's ideally as a starter. And maybe this is something that happens later down the line. Maybe when they start playing better teams, 
um, they start realizing like, yo, we can't, we can't just be spotting teams at the beginning of the game. I personally think they want uh, Wiseman to win that spot from Looney at some point. Um, and I think yeah, that's what yeah. it's going to be. And I, I'm not sure Bielitsa yeah. would be as effective as a starter. Uh, and Otto, I'm not sure his body will hold up for him to play more than 20 minutes a game. Right. So right. it's just kind of one of those committee things. I think they've managed it really well to start the beginning of the season, though. And, you know, favorable schedule aside, they're getting wins. It's working. So we'll we'll worry about kind of the way they tweak the center rotation when Wiseman comes back and the competition picks up. But for now, that's okay. Yeah, all about getting wins. I mean, big game tomorrow. The Hawks are kind of slumping a little bit, but that's still a good team that's coming in. And the next couple of weeks are going to be – they've got the Bulls on fire that's coming out. This is another really good Eastern Conference team. So – Man, the Warriors got some games coming up, but if they play defense like this, like it's the thing is they've got the best defense in the NBA despite having players that you wouldn't think would carry them to the best defense in the NBA. It's just it's it's a it's a smart, savvy veteran team that I I mean shit, we started off this way. They're the best team in basketball right now. They're the best team. I really want to see them play the Miami Heat or the Utah Jazz. Uh say what you want about them, mm. but those are the two other teams who, in my opinion, play complete two-way games. Uh, coincidentally, they're the second and third best defense in the NBA. Um, and they both are seven and two. They've played each other twice. They split those games. So, like, honestly, the difference between them and the Warriors is just they've played slightly harder schedules up to this point. But I really want to see yeah. the Warriors go against teams like that just to kind of get a better measure of how good the Warriors are at this stage. But we don't have to deal with that now. They're, the Hawks are – honestly, the Hawks are not playing good basketball, but that's – for my money, they still yeah. probably the deepest roster in the NBA. Just when you look at how many good players they have in the first 10 of their rotation, they're not playing like it. But that is a very talented roster, in my opinion. And then um, Minnesota midweek, Minnesota's okay. Mm-hmm probably more of a play-in contender. And then Chicago on Friday, I think Chicago is really good. So um, it's it's going to be an entertaining little stretch where we can kind of gauge where the Warriors are at a little better than the last few games. Um, anything else you want to throw out there? I, no, I think the only thing too is even if they – I'm also a little confident just even if they win or lose, you kind of know what you have with Steph and Draymond. They're always going to mm-hmm. show up in those games. It's not like – you know, I kind of thought of this today. You know, five, six years from now, the core of this team is, you know, fingers crossed, it's going to be Poole, Wiseman, Kaminga, right? Like, those guys on this team, they're really good basketball players now. And you're going to say, well, they haven't won championships or anything yet, so you don't know how they are. When they play good teams, you're going to want to see them play well. With the Warriors in this core, with Steph and Draymond, you know you know that they're good enough to beat any of these guys. Uh, like you mentioned, the Jazz of Miami. But still, it's part of the regular season. It's fun to see them play against those teams coming up. So, ain't one. Eight and one, best team in hoops. Yeah, and it's it, it's not even that I I'm, I'm concerned about what Steph or Draymond can do. Um, I need to see how it looks with all these guys. The one player we didn't mention who had another great game today. This is three excellent games in a row. Is Jordan Poole. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Poole. Hey, turns out, guys, that little slump that started the season. <laughs> he's not a bad shooter. He knows how to play basketball. Um, I think it's kind of just going to be who Jordan Poole is. Warrior fans are a little spoiled with Steph and Clay. <laughs> um, he's going to go through, you know, some, some ebbs and flows with the outside shot and probably be closer to like mid thirties than 45%, you know, but like, it's good to see him come around another 25 point effort tonight, leading score. And I think that takes him up to 18 or 19 points per game on the season. 
Um, yep. Yeah. So I, it's just, it's just, I'm ready for the schedule to pick up because I think this is a really good team and I want to see them play against really good teams. So I could start just kind of start seeing, you know, is shot creation going to be an issue or, or is it not? Golden State Warriors basketball is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Warriors tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all the awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best price on all of their NBA tickets. If you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will actually give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. I actually did that for the San Francisco Giants game against the LA Dodgers game one, compared it to another site that I usually use. TickPick was actually cheaper. Uh, So there you go. But make sure you go to TickPick for all your Warriors tickets games this season. Visit TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Golden State Warriors tickets. Again, it's TickPick.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to get some callers? Let's get to the goons. Matthew, Matthew, what's up? Hey, I kind of got two questions. Uh, Andy, tomorrow, if the uh, the Doves got a little trash talk for Trista Crick. (laughs) (laughs) I got some good stuff. (laughs) For the show, Trista Crick. Yeah, I got some good stuff for a Bruin, man. Get ready. (laughs) Uh, And then secondly, I mean, kind of following up on what you guys were talking about earlier, man, like it's just getting so hard to watch Looney and. Like, honestly, I'm not even sure what the matchup is. Like, it seems like when we play against bigger bigs, like, he still isn't performing particularly well. Like, what is the actual matchup that, you know, we play Looney against? It's a good question, Matthew. Um, how do you think he's been against big? First off, what bigger bigs have they faced this season? Like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, I do think the big for a bigger big is is more of a niche thing than, like, an every game thing. Like, they haven't they haven't played Gobert and Jokic and those guys yet, no. but at some point but, they will. But it's not like he's a better matchup for any of those guys than than say, like I don't think he's doing that much better against those guys than even Bielitsa, who I of course I it's not like I would start him against those guys anyway, right? But I, with with Looney at this point, doesn't it feel like to you that it's a Zaza role at this point? It's five six minutes at the beginning of each half, and that's it. He's a vet guy. He makes the right pass. He's kind of in the right places defensively most of the time. He's too slow. He can't finish, right? Like, that's what Zaza did when he was on this team. He's just <laughs> solid six minutes a game at the beginning of every half. 
eats up 12 minutes and allows Draymond to k- get some time off playing five. Isn't that kind of his role? Yeah, that is kind of his role. Sets good screens, can find Stefan Poole and eventually Clay uh, coming off of screens. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's it's kind of the Zaza role. Maybe you don't start it every game, uh, but you got to have a guy like that on the roster. You just do because Draymond's not yeah. going to do that all the minutes, and you just need you just need someone. Anyway, um, yeah. you moving? Yeah, let's give let's give losing a, losing a couple more weeks. I mean, he's he's, he's a good vet player. Hey, Jake. Jake, hey, what's up, man? Um, just had a question. Uh, would you guys consider moving Wiggins to the bench when Clay gets back um, to keep pulling the starting lineup? To me, it just seems like matchup-wise on defense, it could get a little slippery and maybe your defensive rating falls a little bit. But I just I feel like teams would be in absolute hell chasing those who are around and then seeing the open shots Wiggins has, just picturing Clay taking those. I think it might be worth the trade-off. So what do you guys think about that? It's a good question. Um, I personally would not because I don't think Wiggins can handle it. I think Poole actually is more likely to be able to handle coming off the bench than Wiggins. But right. I'm not opposed to those three closing games, particularly if they're feeling it. That might It might be one of those situations where Wiggins doesn't close every game because if Poole's feeling it and Clay and Steph are in there, I mean, good luck guarding those three if they're on. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I am all in on... I, I'm all in on closing with Steph, Poole, and Clay. And if Wiggins isn't playing well, they're not. But at the beginning of games, I'm with you. Also, he mentioned it defensively. It's a little tough, especially with Clay first coming back. You don't want Clay out there guarding guarding the guys that Wiggins are guarding is guarding right now. I mean, Wiggins has been actually pretty good on defense this season. It's not like the special, but he's been good. But he also it's a lot, right? And if you have Clay coming back and he's doing that, or Poole doing that when he's when he's still pretty young, is uh. It's asking a lot. I, it's just Wiggins is solid enough, as Fitz always says. He's solid enough. <laughs> did you hear the Old Did you hear the Wiggins propaganda Old today? Just from Fitz, it was it was it was constant. I did. Oh my goodness! It's just, yeah, you, you know the the talking points are coming straight from the White House. He's, he's got <laughs> he's got a job to do. He's got he's got a job to do. All right, let's let's he's keep the going. best. He's the best. McWalter, what up, my man? Yo, what's going on? <laughs> not much. What you got for us, buddy? Oh, man. Who is not pumped about the start to the season? I soft schedule my ass. You know, <laughs> it's a soft schedule when we beat everyone because they all have L's on their record. Uh, I mean, come <laughs> on. But, uh, you know, honestly, we really haven't played any of the top teams yet because um, I ain't counting the Lakers as no top team. They're complete. <laughs> Neither is their record. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, 80s looking like he's Mr. Glass. You know, it's like, what the hell? You know? The Lakers are a complete shit show, which is absolutely freaking amazing. On top of the great start that the Warriors have, I think everyone here should be pumped and excited about the season. And heck, I'm excited to go down to Santa Cruz and watch Kaminga dominate some people and do some more two-handed blocks. You know, like everything is good right now. We are swimming. You know, it, it is great. And who would have thought over the summer when we were kind of dreading what was going on, that we get off to this start. And so I, I'm just stoked. I hope you guys are stoked. I hope the fan base is stoked. And I just wanted to say that. So thanks for everything you guys do. And um, nope. yeah, nope. right on. Go Warriors. Appreciate it, John. McWalter's the best, man. Just doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any better. The Kaminga shout out too, by the way. Love that. Hey, that two-hand block was nice. It was <laughs> objectively nice. All right, J- Jam Stein. What's up, my man? What's up, guys? 
Hey, um, was wondering what you guys thought of um, just the possibilities of us like closing games with GP three and or GP two and what that what that lineup would look like around him. Mm. Ooh, so interesting. By the way, appreciate the call on Jam sign. Okay, so you want to close with GP two? Ooh, I could definitely see the value in it if you're going against a team. Maybe like Memphis. Maybe you want to get some some pressure on John. Maybe you want a guy who can really get into him because he danced all over you last game when you weren't playing Gary Payton Jr. or Gary Payton second. Um, who would you put out there? This is tough. I just um, this is tough. Number one, you were right. Number one is matchup based, right? So he's never gonna he's never gonna consistently close. But in a situation where you're playing John Moran or Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, maybe you throw him out there. Um, so it, it'll be Steph. Um, so let's say Clay's out because let's, let's just say he's still out until January. So it's Steph, GP two, uh, Draymond Green, uh, Andrew Wiggins, and then Jordan Poole, right? So that that's probably what you go with with Wiggins as the four. So you're going really small. So you you're I mean this will probably work against Portland, right? If you're if you're thinking about it from that perspective in a closing lineup, like I think that'll work. Especially if we're playing some of these teams that are not going to take advantage of you in the in the in the in the page. They just don't have wings or just any bigs. So if you throw that line out there, you sh- you should be. Yeah, and the one thing you will you can say if Clay comes back or when Clay comes back more appropriately, Clay can guard threes. So if you want GP two out there because they have a quick guard who no one can stay in front of, and you don't want Clay to do that off of uh, the leg injuries he's had. You move Clay to three. You got GP on the guard. You let Steph guard the shooting guard. And then you go with Draymond and whatever you want in the front. Maybe it's Wiggins. You go small. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Otto Porter for shooting. I knew you I were going to say Otto Porter. I, I knew it. I knew it. That's, <laughs> that's my guy, man. That's, you know, I've, I'm driving the hype train. So, you know, you can go, you go, you can go either direction with it. But I could, I could see there being value in that on a specific matchup basis. But, like, also – but it really is on a matchup basis, right? You're right, though. I mean, he, Gary Payne is a fucking impact defensive player against guards. And uh, there are not many of those guys left in the entire NBA anymore. And he's one of them. Yeah, he's, he's been opposing guards in hell. Bernardo, what's up, man? So, two things that I was thinking about. First of all, I don't think we have seen a better shooter slash scorer from the bench than Otto Porter, even in the dynasty years. And I want to hear thoughts. Like, He's he's such a dynamic shooter that like I don't think we've seen some somebody like him. And then the second thing is, it's kind of absurd to think that Draymond and Clay didn't make the seventy-five team. Like, how the hell did that happen? They're the second and third best players in one of the greatest teams of all time. Like, what are we doing here? So yeah, that's it. Bernardo, those are great points. I want to I want to start with the first one, dude. Who's the best shooter the Warriors have had off the bench during? The, it might be Nick Young. Uh yeah, so so like just by default, I I think I think he's right. Like I I just can't think of like obviously Clay Steph Durant like you know they're great, but they didn't come off the bench. So right. um he might be right. Otto might be the best shooter this team has had off the bench. Uh, at least in the Steve Kerr era, right? 
I mean, those those teams, those dynasty teams were sneaky bad off, uh, bench, right? Just just because they were so top heavy. Yeah, but, uh, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not going to shooting off the bench. That's for sure. Maybe you compare it the closest thing to strength and numbers to 2014, 15. Maybe maybe most Spates and Leandro Barbosa are the guys that you want to you want to bring out would be the closest. But those guys weren't not they were not marksmen from the three point range. Most Spates was a mid range guy, and Leandro Barbosa was more of a stick it to the rim type of guy. So I mean, yeah, yeah there's just nobody like Otto. Or or belly. I mean, th- these two guys are. F- you you leave these guys ten shots from behind the line wide open. They're making six of them every single time. Every time. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, space sp- space is a good call. Dude could shoot, but Otto's a different level of shooter than him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. I'll leave yeah. it there. Now the top seventy five thing. I'm, I was thinking about that watching the Lakers. I was just thinking about how. They put Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis above Clay Thompson and Draymond Green on top 75. And I get it with, uh, with projection, with let's say AD, you know, but it's like, come on, man. You, you, when you look at every other top dynasty in NBA history, they had multiple guys on this list. Like, you really tell me Kevin McHale? And James Worthy, two guys who averaged 17 points a game and were third options, second options for dynasty teams are better than Clay Thompson. Like, no, dude, it's just because we've glorified them because they're in the past. You know, that's really all it comes out. It's like we had like four players from the 60s Celtics averaging 15 points a game on this list. Like, just just stop. You know, like it's it it is kind of disrespectful to everything the Warriors accomplished that they didn't get players on this list. And I would have less of a problem with it if I didn't see active players who never played a relevant game in their life, like Westbrook and Damian Lillard, or a guy who's never carried a team beyond the first round, like Anthony Davis, make this list. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, Kawhi, Giannis, LeBron, like, by all means. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say a word about those guys. Those guys are top 75 automatically. But, like... The other guys who made the list, who really have just been kind of big stats on 41 teams, guys. Okay. I could not have put it any better than you did. The only thing I'll say is, if those guys aren't going to be in the top 75, Steph Curry better be in the top five of all time. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, that's pretty much it. it. Okay. Um, We'll get a couple more guys on, and then we're going to call it a night. Shane, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? It's good. What's up? Good. Uh, no two questions. So first, how do you guys feel about the decision to not chase wins after the hot start? Chase wins last year <laughs> after the hot start this year. And second, after seeing the addition by subtraction, do you think the, the team, the organization actually tried to keep Kelly Oubre? Or do you think they kind of just were like, let him go and, and didn't really push too hard to get him back? Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Um, Man, I don't want to talk about chasing wins. I'm just going to be honest. Last year's last year. Um, I'll do this. I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up. Our uh, last year's green rooms were... Uh, we'll never... I don't know if we'll ever get that back. Just the amount of... You, you know, had was, to be there. It, you had to be there. I mean, the it was mid-COVID, right? So it was still like everybody was at home, pent up. And, and the Warriors, they had just... It, they had had a rough season. And then they were... The clay injury, it was just kind of everything came together for everyone to just be very, very, very pissed off. 
at all times. So I don't think we'll ever do that again, Sam. Uh, but we've moved on. We've I don't, moved I don't on. ever want to do it again, to be honest <laughs> with you. But hey, it, it was it was what it was when it was. Um, <laughs> now, now to his uh, to his other point. Um, do you think they wanted to keep Ubre? I I think, I think it, that yeah. Go yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say it depends who we're talking about, right? <laughs> I yeah, right. I, I think overall, I think uh, I don't think they wanted to keep him. I think they might have, but I think the money just became ridiculous, and it wasn't even an option. And just the money that they paid him made it just. Yeah, I mean, I could see Ubre having some success with this team with better spacing, just dunking it all over the place the way GP2 is. Right. But, like, I'm not sure they were dying to keep him, honestly, like, in general. And and that's okay. He, uh, you know, it didn't work. It didn't work, and we'll just keep moving. All right. Bull Bull, what's up, man? Can you hear me? We can hear you. What's there up, man? you go. There we well, go. first off, just want to say – uh, happy Filipino Heritage Night to everybody on the way back home from the game with my family. Uh, being a Warriors fan is basically in our blood. So shout out all my Filipinos across the globe, including Jalen Green. Oh um, nice. <laughs> you hear my mom in the background. <laughs> That's um, awesome. That's I don't know if you awesome. got I don't know if you guys addressed this already, but I want to ask uh, what do you guys think of Steph's new rotation? I think it's I we know he doesn't like it, um, but what do you guys think? Do you think it could work, or we're going to eventually go back to the old rotation? I love the question. By, by the way, um, by, by the way, hold, hold on. So by the way, I'm twenty three. Me says I'm point three percent Filipino, so just I'm just letting you know. <laughs> you know shout Are you to claiming me. tonight? Yeah, Are you claiming I'll, tonight? I'll, I'll claim Jalen Green, no problem. <laughs> yeah, would you be would you be claiming if he couldn't throw it down like that? It was a second rounder. I think I'm out. I'm point one percent, but now I'm point three. Uh, what do you think about Steph's rotation? That's a good call to end on. I uh, I think it's great that they're trying new stuff. I, yeah, I I saw that Steph's not happy about it. People always ask like, why didn't Steph come in earlier in the, in the second or fourth quarter? I always say like, yeah, because Steph doesn't want to. Like he wants to play the whole first and third. Like he wants to do it. So it makes sense that he doesn't like it. But I'm glad they're trying it out. And Steph's a good person, good player. That's the type of leader that Steph is, right? Like he's willing to try stuff out that the coach tells him that it might it might be something that might work, it might not, but you know, we at least want to give it a shot. I, I can't see anybody like LeBron doing something like that. So the guy's a great leader. They'll probably go back to, to the normal rotation, me, right, Sam? It reminds uh, me of the Spurs. Like the um hmm. the 2011 to 14 Spurs, they would experiment all the time with rotations in the regular season. And it was mostly so they could see how it looked going into the playoffs. I don't know if it's the best rotation for Steph. Like we know he likes to play the full first quarter and come in mid second and mid fourth, but I think it's worth trying. And like you said, it's mostly about like they have good chemistry. Everything's cohesive. Everything's working really well right now. Uh, That's not going to last forever. Um, I just don't think they're going to win 75 games, but you know, maybe, Uh, but like you might as well experiment with this stuff. That's what the regular season's for. The Houston Rockets. Yeah. They're starting three players yeah. under the age of like 23. This should be an easy win. You should be yeah. experimenting with these type of games. That's what made last year frustrating. They had no margin for error ever. It was always just like Steph hit everything. So ultimately, I yeah. do think they end up going back to the old rotation, but maybe not. Maybe maybe in a game or two, Steph starts feeling this and he's like, you know what? I changed my mind. This is how I like to play. 
And you would never know unless you try. That's, there you go. And we'll see what happens when they play the good teams and, and games are a little bit closer. See what it looks like. All right, guys. Appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow night for the Hawks game.